Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. All right, welcome in, everybody. After a bye week where we took the Sunday off, myself in the OBR Film Breakdown with Jake Burns is joined once again by All Eyes on Cleveland and Brad Ward. Brad, what's up? How are you? Did the bye week leave you feeling refreshed? Uh, I don't know about refreshed. Uh, I'm ready for to watch the Browns play again. Yeah, yeah. I'm somewhat refreshed. Somewhat refreshed. I dig it. Well, let's... let's uh... Let's try to see what we can come out of this with from a perspective of preparing you for the same team technically twice. Um, yeah. Well, the the little news and notes we always do, the weather in Cleveland tomorrow looks like it's going to be in the mid, mid to high 40s, reaching up to 47 degrees with winds 10 to 20. It looks like it's going to be about 10, 10 mile per hour, which is all typical Cleveland weather. Actually, pretty good December Cleveland weather, Brad. I'm sure yeah. you would agree. Um, I agree. So that looks good for the game. It's a... One o'clock kick on CBS, as you all know. Kevin Harlan, Trent Green, Melanie Collins. That will be your trio covering the game. Good group. I think it's one of CBS's best groups overall outside of the Nance Roma. I think Nance and Roma are going to Tampa Bay, Brad, for Buffalo, Tampa Bay, 425, I believe. That sounds um, right. Yep. So anything on that? Any uh, Anything on the weather? You, you, I mean, it sets the stage for pretty nice – atmosphere pretty nice environment i've seen tickets brad as low as 30 bucks for this game so i don't know if like yeah because the weather looks good if the cleveland public is kind of like over getting amped up and being let down but that's a bit surprising to me because this game has huge implications i mean the browns win this game and the Bengals lose they're in second and right there where they want to be to win the division yeah uh on that topic you know i did a show this week on um found a tool on new york uh times i don't know if you've seen that where you can kind of play with every single game on the schedule and see how it affects your team's percentage to make the playoffs if the browns were just to win the four out of five and i know people have been talking about a lot of tiebreakers and stuff they land somewhere between 94 and 96 percent chance to get in so i mean they still really control their own destiny destiny pretty much yeah, so this again could be just a uh, everybody's so exhausted following the six and six start, which didn't meet expectations, Brad. That maybe folks have lost that urge to go watch them live, lost the the excitement. Um, you know, for me, and I tried to illuminate this all week with the podcast guests I had on, which is a pretty good group of guys between Zagura and Trotter and and uh, Andre. Not is like wiping the slate clean here and letting the Browns see if they can salvage the season that it's not many. There are not many benefits of a late season by Brad period, but in the case here where you have still pretty much your own destiny in front of you, if you win games, if you win four or five and get to 10 and seven, you have a real chance to get in the playoffs. I'm yes. very much willing to wipe the slate clean here and let them salvage their season. I think some people, it almost feels like have, you know, written off. Maybe it's just the excitement part, but there's apprehension, I should say, Brad. Does that sound better? It does. I I think a lot of people have apprehension. Um, A lot of people are down. But I think, well, you know, I mean, we'll have a full house, and I think people, you know, 
the crowd will be great. So, yeah, I mean, ticket prices down a little bit, maybe, but I think the enthusiasm will be there. Certainly, the Browns will have uh, a level of desperation, I'm sure, uh, that is needed on, on Sunday. Because this is, you know, you've mentioned it before, kitchen sink game. This is your true everything you got in the bag needs to be out there to win this one. Because mm-hmm. without this one, uh, that's all she wrote. It is. This is, I think I feel like I've said it five times this year, where if they lose this game, it's probably over. Well, this is, I don't know, probably it. I, I, truly, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is truly it. Yeah. Yeah. If they lose this one and go to 0 and 2 against Baltimore, Baltimore, then what would be two full game, three full games up on them? Three. Yeah. Yep. So the division would be a wrap. Uh, I see the line here at uh, three, Cleveland minus three. So they're laying three. Uh, that means, you know, the home stuff isn't quite as big as it used to be. So you're probably looking at the Browns are favored by a couple points here. And it feels like most people are on Cleveland. Did you get a look at the over-under? I did not get a look at the over-under. It cannot uh, be very high. I didn't. I'll get it. Um, you know, what's interesting about that, the only thing interesting about that line is I think that's correct, you know, with the bye week and everything. And the benefit of that, I'm sure, is, is you know, uh, baked in there as well. Um, but this is the first time Lamar Jackson will ever face the Browns as an underdog. That's wild. Didn't know that. Yes. Did not know that. Um, that tells you a little about where the public feels of Baltimore right now, despite the eight and four mark and the lead in the division, right? That they don't think, uh, they don't think Cleveland is, or sorry, they don't think Baltimore is as, as good as the record indicates. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah, a little bit of that, and, and especially considering how we know the Cleveland Browns have been playing, probably tells you a little bit more. Did you get uh, 40, 42 is the over-under line on that one? That is correct. Okay, 42. 42. So 42 tells us, you know, 20, 23-20 outcome, 24-17, something like that. You could stay under at 24-17. So... Yeah, the only not, one not, lower. Yeah, the only one lower uh, on the entire slate of games from Thursday through Monday is the. You want to take a guess at that? The only one lower. Hold on now. Don't tell me. From the early <laughs> games on Monday, maybe it's an early. I'll, I'll tell you, it's an early game on on Sunday. Okay, so looking here, maybe Saints Jets. No, nope. Se- Seahawks Texans. Yep. Is that it? That's it. That's yeah. it. Seahawks Texans with Davis Mills at quarterback, and the Seahawks haven't been putting up many points. That makes that makes some sense to me. Um, yeah. All right, player props here um, that you need to bet. I don't know if I have any great ones. The thing that's interesting to me is that Lamar is over everything, pretty much uh, over Baker on all the passing totals, which is generally an expectation for the game, which isn't a great, great, uh, great setup. Lamar's at 229.5, for Baker, one and a half touchdowns to two and a half for Lamar. Um, Devontae Freeman is at 47.5. Kareem Hunt's at 33.5. That's a number I feel like I'd like to bet, Brad. Uh, Nick yeah. Chubb's at 69.5. So they think the Browns, at the low end of things, would be at the 100 uh, yard mark between those two after only 40 yards last time. Uh, receiving yards wise, interesting spots here to me. Kareem Hunt's 15 and a half is also interesting. Mark Andrews at 56 and a half. I know Mark Andrews didn't go crazy statistically in the first game, but if they don't underthrow that ball, John Johnson intercepts, he has a big touchdown there. So mm-hmm. that one I find compelling. 
Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins are at 23 and a half each. From the Brown side, Jarvis is at 57 and a half. You could get that if you're uh, so inclined. Yeah, and he just went over 100, so. Jarvis is at five and a half receptions, too. So can he get to six catches for 70 yards? We'd have to have to see there. So some of the bets they like are Marquise Brown's four and a half receptions and over on the yards, probably tied to uh, Greg Newsom maybe not being out there, and they feel like they could take advantage of Greedy maybe once uh, if they if they align him correctly a couple times. Anyway, you know, if you're a player prop person, those are some numbers for you. And we know the line is at three. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Let's get to, uh, I guess, our... Things, uh, three things to watch for, or three things the Browns need to do to win, I guess. Yeah. What are we calling that? Brad's been so long. What are we, three keys to the game. That's what we were three doing. Three keys, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, it, it morphs itself. Sometimes it's a key. Sometimes it's a observation. You know, there are three, there are three things, right? It is the first one to me, and you might have this down, you might not, is how the Browns adjust to not having Marlon Humphrey out there. Um, I kind of asked my Ravens guest this week if it changes the ceiling for the Ravens. I think the Ravens have had so many season-ending injuries that they're maybe they've felt like their season is is capped in a sense, right? Like, yeah, the great season would be making the before the year. The Ravens are probably thinking Super Bowl would be the that's the outcome. We want to win the Super Bowl. A couple injuries, three, four, five injuries. You start to think, okay, maybe getting to the playoffs is okay. You know, you start to question whether you have enough guys to go to the ultimate location. And I, I think that that was the consensus I had. They thought with Marlon Humphrey and kind of piecing things together, they could still go pretty far. But the feeling around the defense is, is definitely not as optimistic as it has been. Now, I don't know if they'll change what they do in terms of whether they will back off of the, the blitz stuff that they like to run, Brad, uh, the blitz and press man that they like to run. But it uh, to me is can the Browns find some success – maybe to Donovan Peoples-Jones or in other locations, 
can they find success to the wide receivers in this game? Because we all know that they're only taking two tight ends into this game. The second tight end being Miller Forrestal, who's not playing an NFL regular season snap, I don't believe, Brad. So you're right. looking at a big, gigantic mystery from a coach who likes to already run 13 personnel. I thought they could get by with 12 personnel and still feel like comfortable, but it is going to it's going to be a completely different game plan. So how can they take advantage of a beat up? Maybe the line's right, Brad. Maybe it perfectly aligns here where they have a beat up Baltimore secondary and they're almost forced to use more wide receivers. Yeah, and you know, Marlon Humphrey, I don't think any team asks one corner to do more than they ask Marlon Humphrey to do. It is just detrimental to their defense because they just ask him to do so much for them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. He is literally island all the time. And yeah, he can get a little handsy, a little grabby, but that's partly because he has no help. He is like the safety and corner all in one. So my question again with the offense, this is the key taking advantage of uh, of the of the absence of Marlon Humphrey is 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 are they able to produce some numbers from the wide receivers? You know, I think that's going to be key, Brad. The second one I have, and then I'll ship it over to you for some of yours, is can they run for more than a hundred yards? You know, they yeah. ran for forty, which was the lowest in the Stefanski era when both Chubb and Hunt have been healthy. I'm not concerned with both of them being on the field simultaneously. I'm worried more about them just producing when whoever gets the rock gets the rock. The O-line did not play perfectly last week. They were okay, not great, but the running backs, I thought, missed several cuts between the two of them when they last faced Baltimore. So can Mm -hmm. they clean that up and be the team that they're supposed to be, which is the team they have to be, a team that gets to the 150 or so yard mark on the ground. Now, Baltimore, very good run defense, and that hasn't changed because you lose Marlon Humphrey. Although Marlon's a willing tackler, they're still a good run defense, but Cleveland has got to get their things uh, on the run game side in the right direction. They cannot leave it in Baker's hands because for whatever reason and however you want to spend it, he has not been able to overcome those things, Brad. So that to me is paramount in this game. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, that leads me into what my was my first one is the same thing. And I, you know, I've written down here on paper, Jake, be the Browns, right? Be, the, you know, be your identity. Your identity is to run the football first, or it should have been, you know, should be your identity. Uh, 17 carries last game. To me, Jake, a couple just points on the same, you know, just to piggyback off what you're saying, you know, we saw the Baltimore come out and, and run that bare front with five guys on first downs. And to me, it was more of, you know, they got a couple stops for losses, but that along with the five-man front was more of a deterrent to running than it was stopping the run because you only did it 17 times. So, you know, I think they got to be over 30-plus carries between the two. Um and you have to continue to run the football, and you can't just run it to the left side because Conklin's not in there, right? Like, it, you have to be uh, more off balance than that. Now, an interesting note I would make as well on this topic is, I, I don't know if you caught this, or you I'm sure you did, in the uh, Austin Hooper interview where he mentioned uh, Blake Hance as a potential sixth lineman when he was getting asked about 13 personnel. Uh, so do we, I think we maybe see some jumbo 
uh, package with hands out there. Uh, next, I, I'm guessing, I think you're probably guessing the same, that we see James Hudson start at right tackle, it sounds like, and maybe Hans as a, as a sixth guy um, to kind of offset their missing tight end and, and get heavy to maybe kind of also offset that five-man bare front from the Ravens. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, they've certainly been coy about the right tackle spot, and to me it's a bit like, okay, why? I don't know. I mean, there's nothing to really be gained. Yeah, yeah, if they want to get uh, into heavy personnel packages, I don't think a guy like Miller Forrestal will have an issue coming onto the field. And I also don't think it'll be a huge issue coming. I mean, they're not even carrying a third tight end, so it will be some of yes. those jumbo packages, Brad. So I fully expect them to do some of that stuff. And um, yeah, I, I mean, but also don't be afraid to be different. And I hope that they are going to challenge Baltimore's secondary, which is, you know, Absolutely. on the shorter side of things and, and, uh, certainly an area of weakness for them on the on the the third thing I have is can you how do you keep Baltimore out of the end zone three times I think the offense who gets in this game to the 21 mark is is the offense that's going to win so yeah. can they duplicate what they did I'm not asking for them to come up with four turnovers I'm not asking them to force Lamar to throw four interceptions if Lamar wants to be so kind as to do so we would take them uh <laughs> happily but i don't brad expect them to turn him over four times on on interceptions but can they keep him out of the end zone they held uh they kept lamar off out of the end zone on 11 of 12 drives last time they really played well disciplined football in the read option game in the rpo game can they duplicate that i have been pretty high praise on the browns defense and the strides they have made throughout the year they've had a couple eggs they've laid think Arizona, think the Chargers, think Patriots. But for the most part, they have been a solid enough defense to win eight or nine games. And they are overshadowed and blamed because of the pressure put on them by the terrible functioning offense this year. I do think they've made great strides. Much like I think Cincinnati, this is going to be a parallel here. Cincinnati has San Francisco, and it's almost Mm -hmm. like a show-me-what-you're-worth game because if you win that game, okay, they're real contenders in the division. If they lose it, it's like, okay, Cincinnati's not quite ready. If I think the Browns' defense and Joe Woods has turned the corner here, this is a game that they have to play pretty well. I know Lamar is a dynamic player. There's no doubt about that. And any given week, Lamar can do heroic things. But they have got to show up and put themselves and the team in the best position they can to win. I'm a little worried about what Miles said earlier in the week about where the focus of the entire group is, but mm-hmm. the hope is that the production on the field kind of over overcomes some of those concerns for Miles. They hear him, heard him, understand where he's coming from, and they rise to the challenge. And 
get it done. I think they're healthier than they have been in a while, Brad. It feels like JOK has gotten back to what he was pre-injury mm. for just a heroic performance in Baltimore a couple weeks ago. Grant Delpit making strides. Ronnie Harrison seems more comfortable than he has been all year. Really bummed about Greg Newsom, but I do think between A.J. Green and Greedy Williams, they have a couple guys who can step in and fill the role there. So uh, I just, I'm excited about the opportunity for them to show up Sunday in their home stadium and and you know put put Lamar and Baltimore in an uncomfortable situation quite often. Yeah, no question. Uh, I'll piggyback off you again here because my my uh, third you know topic or my second or third whatever we're on here uh, <laughs> is the same. Uh, so you know it's interesting because it's not like Joe Woods can say, all right, let's go out and do the same thing, right? <laughs> because of the bye week and, you know, so adjustments need to be made. Now, you know, where you make those adjustments is up to, you know, that's on him and everything. But I do think one thing you can take away from the first game is, hey, like you said, uh, Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa was fantastic. And we can use him in a number of different ways. So, uh, not really knowing what the, to expect going into that game and then getting what you got from him. I think they can use him differently in this game, more of the same, but also differently too yeah. uh, to combat um, some of what Baltimore throws at you. Uh, you know, their offense has not looked great, and they've really struggled. This is kind of what I underline. They've really struggled against the Blitz, and we talked about this before with Miami, but Pittsburgh did the same very much similar uh, kind of blitz tactics towards Lamar and within and, and their win over them last week. So I would like, I don't want to see, I would like to see the Browns blitz more people at him, you know? So like they were getting so close to sacking him a lot of times in that first game. Maybe bring some extra people. Let, let's, you know, maybe sometimes have it be JOK, right? He seems to be the one that can get him to the ground to the best. Maybe some delayed blitzes from him or you know, some different uh, exotic stuff that sends extra guys towards Lamar. He doesn't, for whatever reason, you know, Jake, he's having a hard time, Lamar is, identifying where to go with the football quickly when he's getting pressure quick. I would agree with that. He is uncomfortable when forced to decipher blitz hot throws, and that is why he's stepping into the pocket trying to find them. And as we know, and I, I think Patrick McCarry, their right tackle's out for this one too. He They're is, beat yeah. up. Villanueva's not very good on his own right. They are, they're just not a very good offensive line. Mix that with Lamar feeling sort of helter-skelter in terms of how he has to play, and you do get some of those uh, mistakes or turnovers. So the hope for me, Brad, is that, that Baltimore comes out of the gates – similar to Pittsburgh, where it's like that AFC North rivalry game hangover deal. Now, it's not a Thursday night. That's different. But nonetheless, you still hope that, that you can take advantage of a, um, a tired team coming off, you know, not only Cleveland's game two weeks ago that was exhausting, this one 2019 the week before, and the Browns can come out of the bye and set the tone for the rest of the year. You know, that key football phrase, set the tone. So yeah. I'm excited coming out of this by about I'm I mean I'm apprehensive about it but I'm also eager to see how they come out of of of, of the by that they needed so desperately and and how they respond and how they show a sense of urgency Brad with so much on the line these last Absolutely. 5 weeks wiping the slate clean anything you want to add before we dip out of here 
No, just like you said, though, I mean, just to, just to piggyback on one more thing you said, I mean, it just, they have to be, you know, they have to win physically. They have to be the more physical football team from the jump, and they should be at home with the crowd off a bye against a beat-up team that is really beat up now uh, coming off of another tough loss. Uh, you know, a tough loss that they, you know, like they did at the end. And, and it, they should be able to jump on them physically and kind of beat them up, I would hope. Definitely. I mean, it would be such an, a great opportunity to to just get a really comfortable division win. You know, like the win they had in Cincinnati, just to get oh. that win at home would be such a confidence boost for everybody going into the last four weeks after it. So, I don't know. It, I, I just... It's such an opportunity. I've said opportunity 72 times here, but you don't get these opportunities very often, Brad, these chances where you've had disappointment for 12 weeks, but you can still come out of it after a bye week with five weeks to still decide everything you've ever wanted this entire season. So I hope they take advantage of it. And if they don't, and if they show up flat, it will be extremely, extremely disappointing, but we're going to side on the, uh, uh, on the optimistic uh, portion of this and hope that they do i think the browns come out and win this game 21 16 and uh launch themselves into this this post bye week situation on their way to 10 wins so count me in 21 16 cleveland what do you have brad yeah i mean i i feel good about this actually i feel good about you know a chance to self-scout a chance to evaluate the tape for two weeks in this game you should have a scheme advantage offensively and defensively just from having that time there should be some kind of an edge there, I would think. Uh, I think the Browns win 24-20. 24-20. Love it. All right, guys. This is a great show. Hopefully you feel prepared, whether you're listening to this Saturday night or Sunday morning. And, uh, and again, I hope you guys have enjoyed these all year. I've had a lot of fun doing them with Brad, and I think they've been good content. So uh, we will keep them up through the remainder of the football season. Brad, appreciate your time, my friend. Been a blast as always, Jake. Guys, make sure you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Brad's show, make sure you're listening to the OBR Film Breakdown. However you're listening to this, try the crossovers between, um, you know, myself and Brad, but also try the shows independently. I think there's great stuff for everybody all week from both shows. So check those out. Make sure you check out the OBR's pregame Twitch show, uh, which will be at 12 o'clock, and immediately following the game, it'll be on right after that. Myself and a couple other fun fun folks will be there. Brad, uh, for Brad with All Eyes on Cleveland for Myself with the OBR Film Breakdown, thank you guys so much for joining. Have a great Sunday, whether your morning is wild, chaotic, getting some stuff done, or whether you're listening to this with a little beverage on Saturday night. We appreciate you joining us. Have a great night, a great day. Hopefully this thing ends the way we want it to. And go Browns. Go Browns, baby. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.